I love you, Lord, so I want to be baptized and wash my sins away. I love you, Lord, so I want to be baptized and then I can be saved. I love you, Lord, so I want to be baptized. With Jesus I'll be raised. I love you, Lord, so I want to be baptized. Giving God, Giving God the praise, and I'll be born again. Born of the water and the Spirit, and I'll be born again. Wash in the blood of the Lamb, and I'll be born again. Walking in the love of forgiveness, and I'll be born again. Yes, born again, obeying Christ the Lamb. I love the Lord, so my friends have been baptized, and washed my sins away. I love the Lord, so my friend, I've been baptized. I'm now among the saved. I love the Lord, so my friend, I've been baptized. With Jesus, I've been raised. I love the Lord, so my friend, I've been baptized. Giving God, Giving God the praise, and I've been born again. Born of the water and the spirit, and I've been born again. Washed in the blood of the Lamb, and I've been born again. Walking in a life of forgiveness, and I've been born again. Yes, born again, a child of God I am. I love you, friends, won't you come and be baptized? And wash your sins away. I love you, friend. Won't you come and be baptized? And then you can be saved. I love you, friend. Won't you come and be baptized? With Jesus, you'll be raised. I love you, friend. Won't you come and be baptized? Giving God, Giving God the praise, and you'll be born again. Born of the water and the spirit, and you'll be born again. Wash in the blood of the Lamb, and you'll be born again. Walking in a life of forgiveness, and you'll be born again. Yes, born again, obeying Christ the Lamb. Since you found this video, you probably have heard a sermon at some point or another in your lifetime on baptism. You've probably even heard a sermon connecting baptism with Jesus in some way. But what about actually noticing that there is a baptism of Jesus, there's a baptism in Jesus, his name, and there is a baptism by Jesus? And I would say that these are actually related things, but also, also different things as well. And it's a very important thing uh, to, to understand these differences and these similarities, and specifically, what do they have to do with you? Let's take a look at them together. The first one that we are going to look at is the baptism of Jesus. Now, this is actually recorded for us in more than one place, but here in Matthew chapter 3, what we're going to see is that uh, here's this occasion that John the Baptist, that's why he's called John the Baptist, because he does baptizing. Uh, he baptizes people. 
So he is the one who is going to baptize Jesus. Now, uh, this is what we find here in Matthew 3 is whenever Jesus himself actually submits to being baptized. Now, as you look at this, there's going to be some similarities to baptism that is practiced today, but there's also going to be some differences. Let's take notice of these as we look at it here together. So the first thing we're going to see, the baptism of Jesus found in Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, and at that moment heaven was opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Now, let's look at some of these similarities and some differences. So this is the story that we get about the baptism of Jesus himself. And we see that, you know, even John, even though he's the one who's going to baptize Jesus, he still has his own questions. He still is kind of wrestling with, well, well how does this even work? Because in his mind, he understands Jesus is greater than him. So why is John the one that's supposed to be baptizing Jesus? It doesn't make sense to him. That's why he says this, well, why are you coming to me? You know, it should be the other way around. That's what he says in verse 14. But Jesus sets the record straight and he says, let it be so now. And he said it's proper for it to happen this way. Why did it need to happen that way? And, and why was this baptism needing to take place to begin with? Well, Jesus replied it was to fulfill all righteousness. Now, in some ways, this is very similar to why we baptize today, isn't it? I mean, it, it has to do with our connection that we aren't righteous in and of ourselves, and we are baptized. In this case, you know, uh, we're going to look at in, in the next um, uh, in the next section, we're going to look at how we are baptized in the name of Jesus. But part of that reason as to why we're baptized, and one that we oftentimes overlook, you know, we, we so oftentimes say, well, baptism is for the forgiveness of sins or, you know, something like that. Well, isn't it also to fulfill all righteousness? Because this is what God has asked us to do. This is the right thing for us to do is to be baptized, just like Jesus was being baptized right here. Now, one difference, of course, there's going to be several. One difference, of course, between Jesus' baptism and our own baptism is, you know, we are baptized and there's a connection with sin. Uh, there's actually not really a connection with sin in the case of Jesus because he wasn't baptized in order to have his sins um, you know, cleansed. It, it wasn't because of that. It was because this is what God had asked of the people of Jesus' day. So Jesus needed to fulfill all righteousness. You know, you look at that and it is, it is so crucial that Jesus was baptized. And we see that this is at the very beginning of his ministry. In fact, the ministry of Jesus doesn't even start until after his baptism. I don't believe that's an accident. And in fact, that was kind of like a, a pretty mind-blowing thing to me whenever I first realized that. Because, you know, I know that even whenever I was baptized, I didn't really understand that, hey, Jesus got baptized at the very beginning and then he started his ministry. And I didn't really see kind of the significance of, of the chronology of that. But, you know, as I started to, to, uh, to grow in my faith, I started realizing Look, this is what kicked it all off. This is what started Jesus' ministry was he is baptized. So we see that that's some of the, the differences, the connection with sin. Now, we also see some other differences in verses 16 and verse 17. You know, we don't expect 
the Spirit of God to descend as a dove on somebody whenever they're baptized today. We also don't expect to hear some audible voice from heaven saying that you know he's, he's well pleased with us. Yet we do find those things in connection with Jesus' baptism. This was an important time in history. An important time whenever you see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all together in one. You hear the voice of the Father... You see the son being baptized, and you see the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove that came and remained on him. So we see all these three things being combined right here. Which, by the way, while it is different for our baptism, I would still suggest to you that these three things that I've got here, bold and underlined, um, they are connected with our baptism. In the sense of Jesus was baptized to fulfill all righteousness. We are called to be baptized to fulfill all righteousness, to do what's right. And in verse 16... We see that the Spirit of God is connected with baptism. I believe the Spirit of God, or as we like to call him, the Holy Spirit, is connected with our own baptism as well. We'll get to that in a moment. And then the, the final thing in verse 17, I believe it is pleasing to our Heavenly Father whenever we decide to be baptized. Just like with Jesus, was uh, how he was um, pleasing to his own Father as well. I believe that's true for us too. So this is the baptism of Jesus. But now let's change that little word of to something else. Now let's look at the baptism in Jesus. Now, you know, of course, in order to, to have this sermon kind of sound pretty much the same, I put, you know, the baptism of and then the baptism in and then the baptism by. But, you know, really what we mean by baptism in Jesus is that this is a baptism in Jesus' name. That's what we see time and time again throughout the book of Acts. We see that here in Acts chapter 10, a very important time in history, because it was this moment in history that Peter is the one who he's going to be doing, uh, he's going to be the one baptizing here in this passage. And he has just received this vision from God that baptism and what God was doing through Jesus was never supposed to be just among the nation of Israel. It was supposed to be among all of the other nations as well. That's why in Acts chapter 10, Peter sees this vision, which basically teaches him that, you know, look, all the other nations need Jesus as well. That's why you see this amazing teaching, teaching from Peter, because um, Cornelius is a Gentile. He comes from another nation, and he has called for Peter to come and to preach the message. It's a very... <laughs> It's a kind of a weird roundabout way that God chose to act in this case because God God gave a vision to Peter and we also see that that uh, Cornelius has his own uh, vision and you know angels are involved in all of these things too but yet God doesn't reveal to Cornelius the gospel message he leaves that up to Peter because so oftentimes what God has done he has given us as humans the task of proclaiming the good news the gospel message about Jesus and that's where we are going to pick up here in Acts chapter 10 with Peter proclaiming the good news. Let's hear the good news that he proclaims to Cornelius and Cornelius's whole household. In Acts chapter 10, we're going to start in verse 34 and we're going to kind of work our way through, uh, through the end of the chapter. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing 
all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Okay, so here this is the summary of the gospel message. God anointed Jesus, verse 38, Peter proclaims, God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit, with this power, and what Jesus did from that moment on is he kept going around and he was doing good, he was healing people, he was doing the work of, well, God, what his heavenly father sent him here to do. Let's continue with this message. Verses 39 through 43 now. Peter, still speaking, he says, We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. So this is so crucial to the gospel message. Peter says that we are witnesses of these things. He's, he is speaking you know, to, to himself and those people who were also witnesses. They were the ones who they knew exactly what was going on. And they could accurately hand down that information to more people, to the next generation, we might say today. Even though really these, these two, of course, their generations overlapped with one another. But he says we were witnesses of everything that he did. Peter was one of those witnesses. And he was one of those witnesses that, look, even Jesus, he was crucified on that cross. But Peter is also one of the witnesses, as verse 40 says, that's not the end of the story. God raised him from the dead, and he was seen by even more people, people that were, were already chosen by God to be those witnesses. And we see that you know he, he speaks about it like that. And he speaks that there is forgiveness of sins through the name of Jesus. That's why we see that Peter is going to call for water and he is going to baptize Cornelius and his household in the name of Jesus. Verses 44 through 48. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, for they had heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. And of course, Peter did. He stayed with them and he still had that, that relationship with them because they were part of the church. They were part of what God was doing in the world because they had submitted to being baptized in Jesus. This is different but similar to the baptism of Jesus. Remember, Jesus was baptized. We see the Holy Spirit. We see the heavenly, our Heavenly Father, and we see righteousness being uh, all in, in connection here. Now the baptism in Jesus, we see the Holy Spirit is still making an appearance. We see that God is the one who raised Jesus, and God is, is the one who they were praising in verse 46. And we see that Jesus, of course, um, is, is connected with our, with our baptism because they were all baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. That means like in the power and in the authority that is found in this name of Jesus, the wonderful name of Jesus, which we've, we've looked at here, here recently as well. But that's what it means to be baptized in Jesus. Now, there is one final um, kind of phrase I want us to look at connected with baptism and Jesus, though. And that is baptism by Jesus. 
Now, I think this is very closely related to the before two things that we've looked at, but it's also different. And it's different enough that I think that we need to take some time and take note of what is going on right here. We're going to turn back to Matthew chapter 3 because this actually, we're, we're going to go back even before what we were looking at before. I know that doesn't exactly make sense, but, you know, I think you'll, you'll see it. What we're looking at now came actually right before Jesus himself was baptized. And we see that there was talk about baptism by Jesus. But what do we mean by that? What are we looking at that? Well, the, the context of Matthew chapter 3 is that John the Baptist comes there and he is proclaiming this message. He is calling all people to repent. And he's even, you know, I mean, he's, he's calling people names. He's calling them like, you know, brood of vipers or sons of snakes, you know, that, that, that phrase that you might have. He is saying that, you know, you're the offspring of, of snakes. You're, you're just like a, a bunch of snakes. That's what he calls them. And he says, you've got to repent. You've got to do better. And the reason why he calls them out on that is because they weren't really following God. I mean, they, they looked pretty good, many of them, you know, during um, Jesus' day or during John's day. They looked like they were doing the right thing, but they really weren't. And John was warning them, unless they get their act together and actually, you know, don't just act, but do what God has said, then judgment's going to come on them. That's where we see this phrase about a baptism by Jesus. This is different than a baptism of Jesus, because we're not looking at Jesus' baptism. No, we've already looked at that. We're not looking at baptism in the name of Jesus, because that is what we see really like mainly in the book of Acts, after Jesus has already raised up from the dead, because our, our baptism and the baptism in the name of Jesus, it has to do with the connection of the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus, and it's kind of like our own death, burial, and resurrection. But this baptism by Jesus is something different. John was the one that spoke about it before it, it actually came to be, because God had revealed it to him. Let's look at it. In Matthew chapter 3, verses 11 and 12, we read this. John said, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Now, this is probably not the final place you are expecting us to go, but I believe it's a very appropriate place for us to go. We see that by what uh, John calls, you know, he says that that Jesus, the one who is more powerful than him, of course that would be Jesus. Look at the context, and I, I believe that will uh, become you know pretty clear to you. But he says that he is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, some people they believe that the Holy Spirit and fire that that's a that's the same type of baptism, and that's what we see you know in Acts chapter two on the day of Pentecost, and we see that there is a Holy Spirit, there is fire. Both of those images do show up, but I am not convinced that they are actually talking about the same type of baptism. Baptism it just means to be immersed or to be you know fully covered, and here we see that Jesus is going to cover or immerse or baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. The reason why I really see them as two different types of baptism is because of verse 12. His winnowing fork is described. And his winnowing fork, it, it has to do with, with making a distinction between that which is good and that which is not good. Gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. I believe that Jesus does baptize in two different ways. Some will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Some will be baptized with fire. We see so many times that, that God is connected with the image of fire. And I guess in some ways the Holy Spirit is connected with fire. And, and all of these, these images do come together. 
but there is a huge difference. Because if you are part of the wheat, part of what, what is good in the world, and part of those who follow God and follow his son, Jesus Christ, then that fire is not going to destroy you. It's going to refine us because of what the Holy Spirit has done for us and to us. This baptism of Jesus is connected with the Holy Spirit, and he will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Now we see that there's this fire image. This fire image, do you know what would happen to those people who are not followers of Jesus? Well, the images that Jesus used are very similar to what he says right here in verse 12. He says, burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. There is this sense that we need to be ready for the day of judgment, the time whenever he is going to clear his threshing floor. He's going to gather his wheat into his barn. He's going to burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Where do you fall into all of that? Are you a follower of Jesus? Because if you're a follower of Jesus, then you can learn from the baptism of Jesus. You can be baptized in the name of Jesus. And you can see here that this baptism that Jesus does for us is this baptism with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will guide us throughout the rest of our lives. These are some of the promises that God gives us. They are found in his word, and we are called to follow them. Let's follow them and learn from them. Ready, Lord, ready, Lord, I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord, I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord, I want to be ready for the judgment day. When the bridegroom comes, will I be there to meet him in the air? And will my lamp be burning bright? Will my Lord find me prepared? Yes, I'll be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready for the judgment day. If the master comes today, will I be in or cast away? And will he find me faithful there? Will my Lord find me prepared? Yes, I'll be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready for the judgment day. If the Lord should choose delay, will I be true until that day? And will my oil be plenty then? Will my Lord find me prepared? Yes, I'll be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready for the judgment day.